continue to celebrate the great 50 days of Easter, let us proclaim the good news of Easter. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. The peace of our risen Christ be with you. And also with you. Let's turn and greet one another. We welcome you to Laguna Presbyterian Church on this fourth Sunday of Easter, which is also Good Shepherd Sunday. You can see the announcements of our church. They are summarized nowadays on the front of our connections, but uh, the details are inside. Uh, the friendship pad is also on your pew. If you would fill it out, we'd love to have you fill it out and pass it down and let, it, let us know that you are here with us today. Next Sunday, there is a concert here by a community group, the Laguna Beach Chamber Singers. They will sing at 7 in the evening. It's a free concert. I heard them at their last concert here, and it was really wonderful. So it's a very different kind of an evening, and we invite you to come and be part of that and hear some wonderful music. Two weeks from this morning, we will be having a congregational meeting at 10 o'clock, right at the beginning of the second service, to elect the nominating committee, which is the group that will nominate our deacons and our elders for the next year. Also, two weeks from yesterday is a family fun night. It's a Cinco de Mayo night. And so we hope that you'll be part of that, whatever your age. You don't have to have small children to be part of family fun night. I went a couple of times, and it's lots of fun, no matter whether you have kids with you or not. Also, uh, we announced last week for the first time Jerry's retirement party that is in June, on June 4th. We have 300 seats, and uh, within the last week, we've sold half of those. So if you're thinking about going, but you just haven't gotten yourself to the Internet, it would be a good idea to hurry up and get those tickets. If you can't figure out the internet, come to the office and we'll help you do it there. Um, a few people have had that problem. Um, also, you can see that the, uh, the schedule for the uh, community gatherings with Jerry, he has done three of those and they've all been wonderful times of reminiscing and um, telling stories and having a good time together as a community. So you're invited to be part of one of those. It would really help us if you RSVP so that that host has some idea how many seats to have for you. The children are signing up for things for the summer, and if you have children that are, are related to you, it'd be a good thing to get, go ahead and get that signing up done. At the end of the service, we invite you to join us on the patio for coffee and donuts. And let's turn our hearts to the Lord. O Lord our God, the one who has revealed himself to us through Jesus Christ, the Good Shepherd, with grace and power, with forgiveness and strength, with truth and imagination, with gentleness and love. May your Holy Spirit enter the hearts of those who wait with quiet expectation for all that is good, holy, and just. We ask that you bless our worship this morning and give us your peace. Through Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The psalmist in Psalm 100 calls us to worship. Shout with joy to the Lord. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Know that the Lord is God. He, he made, made us, us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Let us enter his gates with thanksgiving and go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his unfailing love continues forever, and his faithfulness continues to each generation. 
we gather together to worship God, the shepherd of our souls, the one who has created us, who sustains us, who redeems us, who walks beside us in good times and bad, and who calls us to follow. This is our God, worthy of all praise. Let us stand and sing praises to God.
morning our confession is in spoken word and in song. Let us pray. Lord, like a shepherd, you never stop searching for your people. Your care for us anticipates our need. Before we recognized that we needed your grace, in love, Jesus, you gave your life for us.
You are our shepherd. We are your flock. We confess that we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. So we say, Shepherd me, O God, beyond my wants, beyond my fears, from death into life. Shepherd me, O God, beyond my wants, beyond my fears, from death into life. try to take your place and take control ourselves. We do not trust your good news to be good for us. We've pleaded with you to care for us while we have withheld caring for the needs of our neighbors. So we sing together. Shepherd us, O God, from death into life. For we pray through Christ our Savior. Amen. My friends, Jesus himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that free from sins, we might live for righteousness. By his wounds, we have been healed. For we were going astray like sheep, but now have been returned to the shepherd and guardian of our souls. Receive the good news. In Jesus Christ, we are sought. We are found. We are forgiven. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Amen.
want to encourage you to open up your Bibles to the Gospel of John chapter 10. I'll be reading from verses 1 through 18. You will find it on page 103 in the New Testament portion of your pew Bible. Hear now God's word to us. Jesus said, Very truly I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way, is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray together. Lord God, help us to know your paths, lead us in your truth, and teach us. For you are the God of our salvation. For you, we wait all day long. Open our hearts, our minds, and our souls now to your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Every time I read John chapter 10, I am reminded of that summer I spent in New Zealand on a short-term mission trip during my time in college. I was only 21 years old. I'd only been a Christian for a few years, but I took the risk to go overseas and to experience what God had in store for me. It started with a week of training in Missouri. 
And there were students from all over the United States gathered to be trained in that place in how to lead a five-day children's Bible club. And we were sent to different countries throughout the world. On the first day of training, we were given this large story picture book to use for our Bible teaching, probably about this big. It was huge. And we were taught how to teach each lesson from that book which would lead the children through several stories from the Gospel of John. Of course, there were five parts to that book for each day. There was a part for Monday, and then for Tuesday, and so on. Monday's lesson was from John chapter 6, Jesus multiplying the bread for the 5,000. On Tuesday, Jesus walking on water. Wednesday, from John chapter 9, Jesus healing the blind man. Thursday, Jesus being the good shepherd and the gate for the sheep. And then on Friday, the death and resurrection of Christ. I spent 10 weeks in 10 different towns helping 10 different churches lead up a five-day Bible club. And each of those weeks, I lived with a different host family. It was life-changing. When I arrived at the Auckland airport, I was greeted by my first host family. I'll never forget them. Their names were Ben and Betty Boss. They were such kind and loving people. We wrote to each other for years after that summer. I couldn't have asked for a better family to break me into that culture of New Zealand. You think United States and New Zealand are kind of similar. They have many differences. They have their own culture. And as we were driving to their home from the airport, I naively said from the back seat, there sure are a lot of sheep in New Zealand. (laughs) And Betty started to laugh from that front seat, and she said, Steve, there are about 40 million of them. Some think there may be 50 million of them here in New Zealand, compared to about 3 million people. She said, let's just say that us Kiwis know a thing or two about sheep. Now, the first week of that Bible club in that first town, I struggled through teaching those lessons. And the bosses, I love it. They were right by my side, and they were helping me through and giving me needed advice after each lesson. And I remember after the first lesson on Jesus feeding the 5,000, Afterwards, Ben took me aside, very classy way, just kind of took me aside from everyone else and took me over here, and he said, you know, Steve, I probably wouldn't use the word voila when Jesus multiplied the bread. (laughs) Makes it sound like a magic trick. What do you say you use the word amazing because it was a miracle? Great advice. And then I got to Thursday, Jesus as the good shepherd and gate for the sheep. I was standing in front of those children, had the first picture of that picture book for that lesson. And there was this kid in the front row, and he raised his hand at that first page, and he said, hey, mister, that's not how a shepherd would carry a sheep. I came to find that his dad was a sheep herder. And everyone, just like you did, kind of chuckled a little bit. And then the second page I opened up, and that little child said, 
You know, mister, that's not how a shepherd would guard his sheep pen. And then everyone started laughing again. And I finally got to the last page of the lesson, and this other kid said, you know, that's not how a shepherd would walk with his sheep. And they all started bursting out in laughter. Have you ever tried teaching children something and you came to figure out they are not laughing with you, they are laughing at you? And it hurt. And I went home and cried. <laughs> but it was a disaster. It was like trying to teach Bach how to better play the piano. It's not going to happen. So that night at dinner, Betty, she said, Steve, I got a little advice for you. You might want to let the children help you teach on Thursday. Let them come up and help them teach you on Thursday on that shepherd lesson. And then they might be more than willing to listen to you on the Friday lesson. Not only did the children listen with more attention on that Friday lesson and weeks ahead, but what I learned from those New Zealanders on Thursday about sheep and shepherds, it helped me to better explain on Friday the intensity and the power of what Jesus Christ, our shepherd, did for us in his death and his resurrection. It's incredible what can happen within us, what can happen to us when we're willing to be teachable. How important it is when you show up here on a Sunday morning and you walk through those doors and you say in so many words to the Lord, I will be teachable before you on this Sunday. To place ourselves in that learning posture before God, you never know what might happen. Our eyes and our ears could be opened up to something that we've read in Scripture so many times, and God had a plan to bring it out to you in a new way on that Sunday morning. Our minds expanded in ways beyond our comprehension when we started to consider the wonders and expansion, the amazing ways of God. And our hearts being moved to love like we've never experienced before. Our souls thriving with life like we never thought possible. That's exactly what Jesus Christ wants to do for us. It's exactly what he wants to do for us when he says to us, as he has said at the beginning of this passage, very truly I tell you. When he says those words, he wants to give us life. He wants to give us an abundant life, a thriving life. Now one would think that this abundant life would be welcomed by every human being, but we know from experience that's just not the case. The context of this passage makes us aware that not everyone will welcome the life that Jesus freely offers to those who believe by faith. In John chapter 9, Jesus had miraculously given sight to a man who was born blind. One would expect for everyone present to fall down before Jesus and worship him. Isn't that what all of us would do? If we witness Jesus bring sight to a man born blind, suddenly he's able to see, I suspect that all of us would fall down and worship Jesus Christ. Yet there were many bystanders who couldn't or just wouldn't wrap their minds with awe about this mighty act of God. To paraphrase their reaction, there is no way 
this is the same man who was born blind. It has to be someone else. They had to know. They knew exactly who that man was for a long time. The most resistance, the most pushback, we could say the attempted sabotage came from the religious leaders. The very ones who are supposed to be spiritual shepherds for the people of Israel, the sheep of Israel. They complained that Jesus had performed this miracle on the Sabbath. Really? And then they put the man born blind on trial. They belittled him there. They belittled his parents. And then they cast him out of their place of worship. They actually excommunicated the man from worship. The ones who should be shepherding the sheep of Israel to an abundant life are the very ones who are leading them astray. Think about that. Now keep this in mind as we look at the passage this morning. Do you see what Jesus is now doing? He is contrasting himself up against those so-called spiritual shepherds. He's saying, listen, these people... They want to steal your life away. Think about that. There's a lot of people, places, or things in this world that want to steal our life away. Jesus says, I am here not only to give you life, but I'm here to give you an abundant life as your good shepherd and gate for the sheep. Now you may ask, how? Can Jesus make such a claim? He's teaching us that as our shepherd, that he truly cares about us. Your God truly cares about you. He says that he knows each of us by name. Jesus knows every single person in this sanctuary by name. He says that when he calls you to himself, that you will become his very own and he will never, ever let you go. He will go on to build a trusting relationship between himself and his sheep. And the sheep will realize this because they'll see over and over how he cares about them. And he will know our voice and he will know that we understand that it's his voice speaking to us. With Jesus, it's not business, it is personal. His sheep can call out to him by name, and he will hear us, and he will respond. And his response is to protect us. I learned in New Zealand that sheep are a very vulnerable animal. I have doubt that you have ever seen two sheep go at it in a fight. Have you? Probably haven't. I've never seen sheep do a big brawl. I've never heard of a small town being taken over by a pack of wild sheep. Have you? <laughs> never have. What do sheep do when they get into a crisis situation? They what? They run. They run away. That's all they can do. That's their instinct. Just run away. And if a shepherd is not there to protect them, they are as good as dead to the enemy. So what does Jesus say? I will be the gate the fence to keep the sheep pen protected. And he goes on to say that I will be your faithful shepherd, keeping watch over you. I will go out before you into the pasture. And he says, I won't flee 
when I'm keeping watch over you, and I will always keep watch over you. In fact, I will save you. When the going gets rough or the going gets tough, I will be the one to save you. He said that he will be willing, and he was willing, to lay down his life for us. And he will, and he did, take up again his life to continue to protect us that we might live. And we learn to live when we look to him to lead us. He doesn't merely just keep us in the sheep pen. It's nice to be in the sheep pen, isn't it? It's nice to go to that place where you can rest and get rejuvenated and you can survive. We need those times to fill our batteries. But he says he will be the one that will lead us out, out into the open pasture where sheep thrive. And he says, he will be the one going out before us, showing us how to live. And we will hear his voice, we will see him, and we will follow. The picture in that storybook that drove those children the most crazy was one where the shepherd's just kind of standing in the middle of the sheep, and some sheep are looking at him, and some sheep are just kind of going off on their own way. And they said that would be impossible. The shepherd would always be out in front of the sheep, leading and watching, and they would be listening to his voice, or in New Zealand, maybe listening to how the shepherd does that whistle, and they will follow. And we follow Jesus when we learn to hear his voice. We hear his voice as we are reading scripture and he speaks to us. We hear his voice when we are talking to him throughout the day about all sorts of things going on in our lives. Now you may ask, why does this Jesus care about us? Why would he want to protect us? Why would he want to lead us? It's because he loves us, and he loves to have a relationship with us. In Psalm 23, it talks about the shepherd setting up that table, and a table, yes, is for reconciliation. It's a place to eat, but it's also a place to have fellowship, and God loves to be in relationship and fellowship with us. We are valuable to Him. We're treasured by Him. He's shown us so much so in that the Good Shepherd went to the cross for us, and He was raised from the dead to give us that abundant life. You may have had one part of your life that originally drew you to this shepherd. Maybe you were struggling at your job, or there was a family crisis, or a health problem. Maybe you had an addiction, or have an addiction, or maybe you were lonely or empty, or you just needed some friends, and, and that one part of you drew you to Jesus to be in some kind of survival time. But Jesus, the Good Shepherd, is calling us to follow Him with all of who we are and all that we have and all that we can be, he's out there in front of us calling us to follow him into that abundant life. It's what we were created for. It's what your soul deep down longs for because we've all tried all sorts of things to bring us joy and fulfillment and it hasn't worked. Only Jesus, the good shepherd, can satisfy our souls as we follow him into that abundant life. When we were in Molokai a few weeks ago, I took a group of our students. They had worked so hard on one of the projects, and I promised them, if you can make it one more hour at this project, I'm going to buy you all some ice cream that day. 
it's amazing when you mention ice cream to children or youth. It's like a revival of power. I don't know what it is. And so took them to the ice cream shop, Dave's ice cream shop. They like to get these things called slush danks. And you put a couple of scoops of ice cream in the Slurpee cup, and then they fill it up with this Slurpee flavor. You know you want one right now. It's so good. It's terrible for you, but it's amazing. Not in a miraculous way, but it is amazing. And as I was walking behind them into the ice cream shop, this man walked over to me, and this little girl, his daughter, was following me. He said, hey, what are you all up to? What you doing? I said, well, we're from a church group, and we come here every year. He goes, oh, I know about your church group. You're here all the time, every year, and you do a bunch of work projects. Is that right? I said, yes. He said, well, who are you? I said, well, I'm their pastor. He said, can I tell you something? I said, sure. He said, I should be dead right now. I said, really? He goes, would you like to hear the rest of the story? <laughs> I said, you got me. Talk to me. I flew over to Honolulu for a very important surgery. I'm on the operating table and my vitals were gone. I was dead for several minutes. The nurse who knew my family actually ran out and told my family that I had died. So the surgeons are in there and they're continuing to work on me and they brought me back after several minutes. But they went on to tell my wife that I would probably never be able to think again or, or see again. There's no way I'd ever be able to walk again. But you know what, Pastor? Here I am. Got out of my house for the first time. And here I am with my little girl and we're walking here to have ice cream. He said, isn't that amazing. And then he went on to say, I know that today God has provided me with this day, and I'm going to enjoy it to the fullest. I don't know what tomorrow may bring, but I'm going to follow Jesus into that, and I know that he has me covered. And as I walked into that ice cream shop, I thought, that's the way I want to live my life living into that abundant life of God that he provides as we trust him and follow him out there into the pasture. Is that the kind of life you want? As we trust on the good shepherd together. Amen. Let us stand and read together from Psalm chapter 23. You'll find it printed in your bulletin. Please join me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. Amen. You may be seated. I'd like to invite the ushers forward as we give of our tithes and offerings.
is my shepherd. Stand and praise God together. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly Merciful shepherd, who calls us by name, who seeks us and gathers us into the abundance of your life. You know the things that we've allowed to steal our lives away. You know how easily we end up in places where we can't rescue ourselves. So we pray for ourselves and for all who need you to seek and find and gather back to yourself. For those who are trapped in cycles of violence, of abuse, of revenge, of addiction, for all who struggle with depression and despair, for those who walk through the valley of the shadow of death, may they fear no evil, knowing that you are carrying them. We bring you the groanings of our hearts for the needs of planet Earth. In daring hope, we ask you to intervene with reconciliation and peace and healing in our world, in Syria, in Iraq, in Afghanistan, in Israel and Palestine, in the deep divisions in our nation. This day, hear our urgency and do among us what none of us can do for ourselves. For it is to you that we turn on behalf of the world that waits for your act of life. We yield these gifts and our very lives over to you in glad thanksgiving and in anticipation for the day when your will is done on earth as in heaven. And so we pray as you have taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
And now may the love of God the Father, the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. God bless you this week as we follow the Good Shepherd together. Amen.